we are in a series called Proverbs, Find Wisdom, Find Life. Uh, and that's the goal during this series, that we would look into the book of Proverbs and, and not just find knowledge, because knowledge, we all have knowledge on varying things, but wisdom is, is the understanding to know what to do with the knowledge that we have and how it applies to our lives. And what I love about Proverbs is that it covers so many different topics. Uh, we could talk about parenting. We could talk about marriage. We could talk about work, finances, relationships, all kinds of things in Proverbs. But today, I want us to talk about a topic that impacts every other topic in Proverbs. And today, we're going to talk about decisions, how to make decisions that we don't regret. Uh, any guesses on how many decisions the average person makes in a day? Uh, we're going to do a little crowd participation. If you think that the average person makes more than 100 decisions a day, raise your hand. Okay? A lot of you guys are with me. What about 1,000 decisions? You think a person makes more than 1,000? How about 10,000 decisions? Okay, a few less hands. Did you know that on average, each person makes around 35,000 decisions every single day? According to Eva... Krakow, who is a researcher at Leicester University in the UK, 35,000 decisions every day. It starts when your alarm clock goes off. Am I going to snooze or am I going to get up, right? Am I going to brush my teeth first? Am I going to get coffee first? Am I going to take a shower? Am I going to work out? You know, am I going to answer that text or am I going to ignore that text? What am I going to say when I answer that text? And on and on and on all throughout the day. By the end of the day, you feel exhausted and you're not sure why. It's because you've been making choices all day long. 35,000 decisions. And that's a lot of opportunities to get stuff wrong. Uh, you know, that's probably a bad way to look at it. But when I heard that stat, I'm like, wow, you know, Michael Jordan made about half of his shots. If I made only half of my decisions right, I don't think I'd be happy uh, with where that would take me. Uh, one of my more stressful parts of my week is when Lisa sends me a text message on the way home and says, hey, would you mind swinging by the grocery store and picking up a couple of things? Sure, no problem. Send me a list. So I've got the list that she will send me. And, um, you know, uh, it seems simple enough, right? But let's just start there on coffee creamer. Uh, I went to the store the other day to look at coffee creamers. Like, there's three pictures that I have of different coffee creamers just to figure out which one do you want. Do you want the non-dairy, the dairy, oat milk, soy milk, 2%, 1%. Would you like French vanilla, plain, hazelnut, cinnamon roll flavor? Did you know there's a cinnamon roll flavor coffee creamer now? It's like, man, there are a ton of decisions just to get one thing off of her list. So if you ever see me in the grocery store on the phone and I look animated, it's because it's because she's bumping me up to 40,000 decisions that day instead of the, the normal 35,000 decisions. And, and the reality is with most of those little decisions, the, the consequences are, are inconsequential, right? Unless you make them over and over again. I mean, one stop at Starbucks to get that vanilla bean scone, no problem. Uh, do that every single day and it ultimately will take you in a direction that you don't want to go. So how do we make decisions? You know, it's not just the small little ones, but some of us are here today and, and you've got a big decision that you're trying to make. A major life decision. Maybe it's a relationship and you're trying to figure out, am I staying or am I going to go? Or maybe you're in college and you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do next? What's my major going to be? Good night. That's a tough decision to make. 
uh, to potentially steer your life at 18, 19 years old. And some of you are in high school and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do next year? Uh, am I going to do a gap year? Am I going to go to this college or that college? And these major decisions, I want you to think about what's a decision that's weighing heavy on you right now that you're trying to make? What's a decision that you're, you're trying to decide? It could be in your career. It could be a management decision or a, a staffing decision that you're trying to make. How do we make good choices? How do we make decisions that we're not going to regret? Because the reality is that our private decisions ultimately have public consequences. And the decisions that we make, it's almost like a steering wheel. Every decision that we make is, is taking us in a direction and where we will end up in our life in large part is a byproduct of the decisions that we make every single day. Has anybody in here ever made a decision that you regretted? Right? Yeah, most of us. Some of you are lying in church, which is that's on you and God to work that out. But, but yeah, we've made decisions that we regret. How do we live our lives in a way that we, we get good at making choices that we won't regret? You know, we're in the series Proverbs, and part of why we're doing Proverbs is I told our team at the beginning of the year that, that my word for this year or this season is, is wisdom. And what I mean by that is that I don't want to just live off of my gut instincts because my gut instincts often are wrong. I want to live on revelation wisdom from God that comes out of his word. And so we're going to look at a couple of different Proverbs that are going to help guide us. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for you. I want us not to, to make decisions based on our own instincts, but on the wisdom that comes from God. So I'm going to look at three Proverbs and three thoughts for us. They're going to help us make choices that we won't regret. The first thought is this, silence the inner salesman. If I'm going to make choices that I won't regret, I'm going to have to learn how to silence the inner salesman. I want to show you a verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is one of the great verses in the Bible. Uh, this verse, all of my kids have memorized at some point along their journey. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So it talks about trusting the Lord and acknowledging him and, and all of our ways, all of our decisions. The part that stood out to me, though, as I was looking at this this week is lean not on your own understanding. See, often the, the voice, the inner salesman is so loud in our lives that it, it crowds out the voice of wisdom or the voice of God in our lives. We have this inner salesman that, that you have the ability to talk yourself into a bad decision more than any other person on planet Earth. The heart is deceptive. And I was thinking about that and kind of reflecting on one of the biggest mistakes that I've made, financial decisions. And I've talked about this before, which I guess is a good thing. That means I haven't made another one since then of that magnitude. But Lisa and I were recently married. We were young in our early 20s. We had bought a home 
and, um, and our home, because of the Charleston market, had gained some equity, uh, was worth more than what we paid for it. And the bank would do this cool deal called a, an equity loan. So you could actually borrow from the equity in your house. And I'm not saying that was the terrible decision. The terrible decision was borrowing uh, more money than we needed. We borrowed as much as the bank would give us out of our home. We made a few repairs in our home. And then we had a little bit of a, just a little credit fund waiting for us. We were on a date night downtown and walking through downtown Charleston. And this young guy came up to us, struck up a conversation. He said, hey, you guys interested in making it an extra couple hundred bucks? I'm like, yeah, sure. Love to do that. I'll never answer that question that way again, by the way. <laughs> he invites us to a meeting the next morning. It's a timeshare presentation. Uh, we're young. We hadn't seen much of the world at that point. Guy starts asking us, you know, what's your dream vacation? Oh, man, we'd love to go to Australia one day and, you know, see the, the Gold Coast. And we'd love to go to Hawaii one day. And it's like, oh, you can do all of that with this program that we'd like to offer you. It's an amazing deal. Only costs $10,000. I'm like, I don't have 10000 Wait a minute. Yeah, I do. And we get through this presentation. And at the end of the day, we sign this contract and we write a check out of the equity of our home for $10,000 for these amazing vacations. We ended up only taking one vacation. It was to Ormond Beach, Florida, smoking hotel, pets, animals all around. <laughs> Most expensive, terrible vacation that I've ever been on in my life. And we came home and we, we, we got out of it. We, we got out of it, but it cost us a lot. And I was angry. I was angry at the salesman that talked us into it, but I was most angry at the inner salesman that talked myself into it because nobody has the power to talk us into bad decisions more than ourselves. That, that's why, that's why the Bible tells us to lean not on our own understanding. In fact, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 17, nine told us the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. You know, Jeremiah was a prophet. And part of what he did was bring wisdom to kings. And I wonder if in him sharing that scripture with us was his observation of the number of times that Jeremiah would go to a powerful person and, and try to bring a, a prophecy, a word from God. And, and so often they would say, no, I want nothing of it. I don't want to hear from you because they didn't know how to silence the, the thing on the inside of them that thought that they had all the right answers. That they knew what was best for the kingdom, but they were wrong. The heart is deceitful above all things. So if we're going to make wise choices, it starts with admitting our tendency to make bad choices. Admitting our, 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 in our own capacity, our ability to really take our life in a direction that we never wanted to go. And I know there are testimonies on that, even in this moment. If we're going to make wise decisions, we've got to start with humility. And Adam Martin's going to preach next weekend on the guidance of God and really talk more about how do, we, how do we tap into that humility and how do we really lean into it. But for today, I just want to remind you that there is an inner salesman. They're really good. We have to learn how to silence that voice. Because when that voice becomes so loud in us, then that's, that's how we end up going, oh, man, I know that there was signs and other people in my life that said, Hey, don't do that. But, but I somehow, there was a way that seemed right to me. 
and it led me to a place I didn't want to go. And my heart for us, as we look at this book of Proverbs, I don't want us to make decisions that lead us into a world of regret. It starts with silencing the inner salesman. Second thought for us out of the book of Proverbs on making great decisions that are going to take us to, to better places in our life is I have to pay attention to the warning signs. Pay attention to the warning signs. The next verse is a verse that Lisa and I have been meditating on really for the better part of the last year. It says Proverbs 27, 12, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. The prudent see danger coming and take refuge. The simple just keep on going in the way that they're going and suffer great consequences for it. See, there are so many times in this passage even brings it to light that that God brings about warning signs or he he creates uh, these signs in our life that help us to see that danger is coming. But we just we plow right on through them. I was driving home Monday from a soccer game uh, my son had at Beaufort Academy and my brother was there as well. His daughter had a game and we were uh, coming from Beaufort to Charleston on 17 and there was a sign on the side of the road that said, a danger and it was a deer crossing, right? Because that's an area where deer cross a lot. And so I saw the sign and I kind of paid a little bit closer attention and navigated through that. Okay. I got a call about 30 minutes later from my brother who was behind me. And um, he, maybe he didn't see the sign. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, he broadsided a deer um, and it, all the airbags deployed in his car. In fact, it's in the parking lot here at the Mount Pleasant campus. If, if you want to see it, uh, you, you're welcome to go take a look at it. But it's what happens when we, when we don't heed the signs. He's at the Greenville campus. Hey, Jason. Um, but there are these signs that come about in our lives that we, we've got to pay attention to. And I remember early on in our, our marriage, most of my friends up to that point, my better friends were, were girls that I had grown to know as I was single. And, and most of them became friends with Lisa. But there was one relationship early on in our marriage. And she is not the jealous type. Lisa's always been very like confident and secure, but she was, we were just talking one night and she was like, something feels dangerous about that relationship. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. And you know, she's like, I don't know. Just something doesn't feel right. And, and it, it took a while of, of me kind of recognizing, but, but we decided, all right, we're going to do something about that. I didn't have like a formal breakup meeting with this person, but we just created I would not recommend you do that, um, but we just created some distance because it just felt like there was, there was danger there. And I don't have some dramatic story around that, but I often look back and wonder if some of the best decisions that I made in my life were just those small acts of obedience to warning signs that kept me from, from having to stand up here and, and make much harder decisions and tell much more painful stories because of not obeying. And I have plenty of, 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 of those, but I just wonder if some of the best choices in my life are small adjustments when danger was lurking. So I've broken down this, this proverb into a three-part prayer that I pray every morning when I wake up. And I want to give it to you because I want to encourage you to pray this prayer because I want to see us make decisions that we won't regret. The first part of it is help me to see danger before it gets here. Lord, would you help me to see danger 
before it comes. Kind of the, the churchy word that we use for that is discernment. It's a, a biblical word, but it's, it's really just the ability to, to hear and see from God in areas of the future, not in like some magic crystal ball way, but that God would give us these promptings and discernment to recognize that, hey, something is off here. And I pray that prayer every morning. Lord, would you help me to see danger before it gets here? As it relates to my kids, Lord, Lord, you've put me in a position of great responsibility to parent these precious three kids that I have at 15, 13, and 9. Would you help me to notice if maybe they're involved or there's a relationship or friendships that are dangerous and that we can see it before it gets here? It's easy to see danger when you hit the deer, right? But it's, it's so much wiser to pay attention to the danger before it gets here. So God, would you help me? Is there an area of your life that say, God, would you help me to see danger before it gets here? Again, it could be a relationship like I talked about earlier. Could be in your finances that you would recognize that buying a timeshare is most of the time a bad idea. <laughs> You're welcome. Where is there danger lurking and you just hadn't really noticed it? Lord, give me eyes to see before it gets here. Second part of that prayer. Lord, would you give me wisdom to know what to do? It's one thing to sense danger, but then it's another thing to, to know what to do. To God, I don't want to just lean on my gut instincts here. I need wisdom. I need wisdom from God to know what to do in this situation. And I'm telling you, there's over 5,000 of us right now that are reading the book of Proverbs together. And I encourage you, if you haven't jumped in, jump in now. There's so much that God gives us in his word that brings about wisdom. Again, that's not just knowledge, but it's, it's how do I apply that knowledge to this particular situation, to this danger that you've allowed me to see. So God, give me the, the wisdom to know what to do. And then the last part is, would you just give me the courage to do it? Or give me courage. You know, there, there are so many times that we know the right thing to do, but sometimes the right thing to do is a painful thing to do. It means we have to stop doing something, or it means we have to lean into a difficult conversation. And I don't, I don't like difficult conversations because I value relationship. And sometimes we're afraid that if I have that conversation, it's going to, it's going to breach the relationship, but so we, we decide, well, I'm not going to, but then we allow something to go on that brings much more painful conversations down the road. Lord, give me the courage not to kick the conversations down the road. Help me to have them now with our kids, with maybe in, in a marriage, there's something that's been going on between you and you know, you don't want to make a big deal. You don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but, but it's gotten to the point where there's danger coming if you don't step in and have a conversation. Some of us, it's coping mechanisms. You know, there's some habits that you've picked up and, and we all know somebody, right. That's, that's hit the rock bottom and, and maybe you're not there right now, but, but you're kind of on a journey to a place of danger and there've been some warning signs and, you know, you kind of seen some impacts of it and it's like, man, Give me the courage. My prayer for you is that you would have the courage to do whatever it takes to acknowledge it, to share it with somebody, to take some steps in counseling or even rehab, whatever it takes to go, you know what? There's danger coming and I don't want to be 
another one of those stories. Lord, help me to see danger before it gets here. Give me the wisdom to know what to do and give me the courage to do it. So if I'm going to make decisions that I'm not going to regret, the first thing I have to do is silence the inner salesman. I've got to pay attention to the warning signs. The last thought for us is very simple, but very powerful. Get back up. Get back up. You know, some of us are, we're actually sitting and living in the consequences of a decision that we made that we regret. And the, 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 the tactic that the enemy has on us is he, he downplays the decision before we make it. And then once we make it, he, he makes it the biggest thing. He piles on. I call it he, a second taking. You know, you, you, you lose when you make a bad decision. But don't let the enemy steal from you again with the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that he likes to pile on us after those decisions. I, I, I love Proverbs 24, verse 16. The Amplified Version says, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. What's the difference between the righteous person and the wicked person in that proverb? It's just they they get back up. The righteous get back up. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're walking through today. But I just want to implore you, get back up. Don't quit now. The beauty of the gospel is that God knew before you were born that you were going to make really bad decisions. He knew that we were going to fall into sin. And what sin does is it separates us from God. And the wages of sin, according to Romans, is death. And some of us, we've experienced that death in a relationship or in your finances or in different areas of our lives. But ultimately, sin brings about death in that it separates us from God for all of eternity. And that's why he came in the form of Jesus Christ and he lived a, a perfect life. So that then he died on a cross and took the sin that we should have paid for and he paid for it himself so that we wouldn't have to. And, and there's two decisions that I'm praying that everybody who goes to Seacoast would make in your life. And, and, and there's no better time to make them than right now. The first one is that you would surrender your life to Christ, that you would receive the free gift of salvation that he gave us. Don't keep on living in the, the, the wages of your sin. Receive the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? That means he was righteous and you weren't. But because of what he did, God sees us through his righteousness. If we just receive the gift of life that he gives us, just surrender our life to Christ. Surrender our life to Christ. I remember when I did that at age 18. I grew up in the church coming to this church every weekend. I knew all the verses. I had experienced worship. And, but but, but I, had, I had lived that first verse on, on the outline today. I'd lived in a way that seemed right to me. But it was bringing about death in my life. And at 18 years old, I had moved out of my house at 17. And I was living downtown Charleston. And. I was doing all the, th- the freedoms that I thought that, that I missed out on being a p- pastor's kid growing up. And what I realized is those freedoms led to great bondage. So often that's what happens to us. 
my brother invited me to an oyster roast and I invited a bunch of my buddies to go and we went and they baited and switched us. We ate good oysters and then they turned it into a Bible study. I was like, what are you doing? I've got friends here. Don't embarrass me, Jay. But at the end of the day, God showed up and, and we, we got into his word and we actually watched a video testimony of a guy and I didn't know how to describe it. My palms were sweaty. My heart was racing. I just knew something was going on. Some of you are experiencing the same thing right now. You just know God is at work. And, and one of the guys before we left, he said, hey, before we leave, I feel like the Lord and the Holy Spirit's telling me that somebody needs to give their life to Christ. You know all the things and you've been running from him, but he's, he's calling you back to him. He's calling you to get back up, to receive the grace and forgiveness. And I knew immediately that it was me, but I hesitated to open my mouth and my roommate immediately broke down crying and said, it's me. I need to give my life to Christ. And long story short, five of us that night fully surrendered our life to Christ. And one of them, another one's in full-time ministry. I'm in full-time ministry. And God completely changed my life in one decision. And he can do the same thing for you as well. That's the first decision that I hope everybody in here would make. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do it. And the second one is just get back up. Get back up. I don't know what you're walking through right now. Some of you have been tempted to quit, quit on life. You feel like you've dug yourself into a hole that you just can't see hope right now. And that's a lie from the enemy. There's always hope in Christ. Just get back up. Some of you, it's your own mistakes that you've made and getting back up. The biblical word for that is repentance. It's not just getting back up to the same place, but getting back up and making a decision to turn in a new direction by the grace of God. And he gives us that opportunity, no matter what you've done or no matter what's been done to you, you have an opportunity to get back up. I love the last verse, Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What God wants to do today in our time together is exchange your crushed spirit for a joyful heart, a new heart, a new life in Christ. I want us to make wise decisions. I hope for none of us that we would walk out of here and make choices that we would regret. Let's silence the inner salesman. Let's pay attention to the warning signs. But if you've made that decision and you're living in the consequences of it, let's get back up. Let's keep on going. Keep on moving. The, the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I'm so grateful for your word, Lord, that brings life. Lord, that, that, that brings life to dead places in our lives. And Lord, our prayer today is that you would help us to make decisions that we won't regret. And as we continue in prayer, if you're here today and you say, Josh, I want to make the decision to repent. I want them to make the decision to surrender my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand? Uh, I want to pray for you uh, right now here and at the campus. Just raise your hand if you're saying, hey, I need to make a decision to repent. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Father, you see our hands, but more importantly, you see what's going on in our hearts. And today we surrender our lives 
to you. We recognize that we've sinned, we've fallen short, we've made decisions that we regret. But today we're making a decision that we'll never regret. We're making a decision to put our trust in you, to give you our lives. Thank you for the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you set me on a path that leads to life? And for those of us that are here and maybe we're facing a a big decision, I'm just praying the wisdom of God over each of us. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you move in this place? Would you bring about wisdom in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.